0: God. Oh, man. Drop it from. like it's hot. And of course, we <laughs> had to have him on. Friend of the pod. It's coming right here. Locked on Mavs with Tim Cato.
1: What's up, fellas? I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Locked on Mavs Podcast.
0: Mavericks all- This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week. He may be joining us right now. It's Tim Cato. All right, Isaac. <laughs> oh man, this is quite the day. I'm Nick Engsted, host of Locked On Mavs. I am the media member and coordinator for the Locked On Podcast Network, and joined as always my co-host
2: contributor at Mavs.com. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? Take it away, Tim Cato. Now, <laughs> what a what a day in. Uh- what a day in Mavs land. Is that what Donnie called it not too long ago? Mavs land something. But uh, yeah, incredible story today from Tim Cato. Incredible reporting, journalism. I want to give you a, a props for that and hats off for that because huge stories like that are not easy. And uh, Tim dropped a bomb today.
0: Tim Cato joining us right now on the podcast on YouTube. If you're watching, he is uh, he was Banned to some like desolate desert planet, I think, just to try and, to try and escape. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see him. Uh, Tim, thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate the time. Let's just start right here. Haralb Valgaris is this massive player in the, in this story that you just wrote today. And by the way, if you haven't, it's inside the Mavericks front office. Mark Cuban's shadow GM is causing a rift with Luka Doncic. It's by Tim Cato and Sam Amick on the Athletic. If you have not read it. Stop this podcast right now. Go read it because a lot of this won't make sense to you. So go read the article. It was really great today. Uh, give us the Cliff Notes, Spark Notes version of who Haralaba is. How did he become such a prominent figure and all of that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you just sent people to the story and, and, and they're they're going to have a good idea. It, it really is a a a person who his hiring was announced and... I often often got questions about like okay what what actually is he doing with the team what's his role uh, what's what's uh, what, just what's going on there and it's it's something I started hearing more and more about uh, over the past few months and it got to a point where I was like all right I mean I think I think it's time I think I think we're ready to actually go ahead and and, and publish this and you know I, I actually got inter- asked an interesting question um, earlier in the one million. Uh, podcasts and yeah, radio sure. hits that I that I did before and it, it was a you know I was asked would this story still be out there would we talk would we be talking about this if game three against the Clippers had gone differently yeah yeah I think we would Um, we we definitely would you know it was it was stuff that I'd been hearing long before that and, you know, ultimately, if you view this not just as a, a story about Bob and this person and his role in the front office and frustrations that that people had with him, but if you also view it as, you know, even further than that, an indictment on the front office in a lot of ways, which is not something you need reporting to do. You know, you could look at Game 7 and Luca dropping 46 and, and 14 and, you know, the team just not being good enough to even make that a, that game competitive in Game 7. Uh, you know, the, there's, there's a clear indictment on the front office that you know has been ongoing for anybody who was watching this team and you know i think that's that's what it is and that's what the story is fundamentally at, at, at its core and I, I think that you know it, it it's it's something that you know a game three win and a series win and a one series advancement that will not have changed the overall overarching idea that there are problems within the front office that the the power structures is you know in in who is in charge is not delineated properly and all of this stuff needs to be addressed now because you're looking at Luka Doncic and you're looking at a superstar player who they need to do right by and that is the most important thing going forwards you know not not what the front office actually even looks like as long as it's working and it's able to build a team around Luka Doncic that he deserves and you know that that leads to his future with his team to being one that that he wants to stay on as as is his current desires and plans to to stay here long term. You got to make sure he stays that way.
2: Yeah, when when Harala Bob first got hired back in I guess 2018, you know you put in your story. You're like you had tried to uh, do a story for him. He declined to do a story back then, and I remember it was like one of his. I mean, it was. That fall, when the season started, it was my first time I'd ever met Bob. And I, I met him, uh, it was on the court before a game. And I asked him, point blank, I was like, hey, man, I'd love to do a story on you. I just want to know exactly like what your role is, everything. And he was nice to me, but it was just a polite, man, I'm sorry, I just can't do it right now. Not, you know, it's hard for me to really talk about like my role at the team. So I think that mystery behind bringing a a guy who's you know made a living in his popularity off being a sports gambler on into a front office of an NBA team, I think it did have a mystery behind it. And then it's like, well, who's in charge? Who's all this? And the fact that you heard about that, you decided to write the story on it. And just like how how hard is it, just from a journalism angle, how hard is it for you, a local guy, writing about a team you cover, you're around all the, every day. You're one of the few beat writers of the team. To take on a story like this, knowing that you're going to get a quote, a quote to from Mark Cuban uh, about saying something that I can't repeat on this podcast, probably. And just in another tweet saying, hey, I can't, you know, I, he didn't reach out to me for the story. The writer, not Tim Cato, the writer didn't reach out to me for the story before. His podcast, but then he's quoted in the story. Just how is it your mindset taking on a story like this? That's negative towards the team. But also, could you clear up the Cuban? Did he get contacted before the story or did he not?
1: Yeah. Um, he, he was reached before. Um, it, it, it was not something that I was able to get on the phone with him before. Um, it's, it's the journalism practices when, when you're dropping stories like this is, is to, you know, you gotta, you gotta let people, uh, know with, with time, but you know, it, it's a situation where I would have, you know, loved to have him on the record. Um, and beyond that, I'll, I'll just kind of keep it between me and Mark. Um, I'd say beyond that, um, yeah, it's 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 weird tackling a story like this. Certainly, um, as someone very you know invested in the team from a professional standpoint and from a standpoint that, yeah, exactly. Look at that! Look at that, man! That's a that's a relic. That's this is a, a pl- relic. We're plugging his book right now on YouTube, <laughs> guys. Go go to Amazon.
2: Hundred things Mavericks fans should know and do before they die. Now you have hundred and one. <laughs> New edition that's coming out next what's, year. By what's Tim what's the
1: hundred first thing though? I, I'm not even sure what what We're the. <laughs>
2: To read my story, to read my
1: story. I mean,
0: that might be it. The reason why I grabbed this is because Mark Cuban did the forward and just completely calls you out today. I mean, what is that like? It's kind of just the, you know, owner reporter relationship. Like there's a little bit of a, a journalistic relationship there where you can't just always be buddy, buddy all the time, but what was it like to see, you know, do all that reporting. And then all of a sudden Cuban calls it out and said, that's, that's total BS just on Twitter to his 6 million or however many followers.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, to some de- to to some degree, he can say what he wants. Um, you know, it's it's the the story's out there. Uh, I think the the sourcing is is clear. You know, anonymous, but you know, I, I I try to do a very good job defining, you know, where it's coming from in a, in a lot of places. And and the idea is is that you know there are you know there was a you know this this has spread very well around the league. Um, I was on a a locker room earlier you know and Kevin O'Connor from the Ringer was like yeah I heard I'd heard a lot of, about this and you know and 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 was saying stuff like that you know the the idea that there was a there was a perception around the league about what the Mavericks were doing um you know this is in the article league executives had confusion or or weren't sure you know who exactly was you know pulling the shots pulling the strings at the same time you know this is a this is a franchise that has had very clearly defined um, power structures for a long time that's something else that's in the story and they've come to be known about that and i don't you know in, in that specific context of saying all right let's hear a new voice let's bring in someone like bob who has influence i, I think that's a good thing you know I, I think we've seen the output of of donnie nelson as the gm someone who you know even throughout these past few seasons as detailed it in the piece uh, you know, someone who was still spearheading trades and, and certainly still had influence and and, you know, was still in his role as as the, the president of basketball operations. I, I think I think it's very clear that, you know, they, they have a long track re- track record. We can look at it. We can go look at it. We can look at what, you know, last decade looked like, you know, from the moment they broke up the title team from the moment they, you know, they thought they were going to sign Darren Williams and Dwight Howard the following offseason. Uh, something that I haven't reported that that's been reported, um, I think even by Adrian Wojanowski back back at Yahoo, you know they they thought those were the two players they were going to get, and then just you know in the years that have followed and the off seasons that is that have followed, you know their track record is out there for everybody to look at, and I think that you know it's it's not something that needs to be reported to say, oh yeah, you know like we were saying that that you know the the Clippers loss and and. You know that's an indictment on on the roster around Luca, and you know it's not at a a pivotal, crucial, you know, terrible inflection point to the point that he wants out now. He doesn't. I I, I say very clearly in the piece that you know this is still somewhere that he would like to be long term, but you know this this front office uh, you know doesn't have the track record to to bear out that they're the ones to do it. Um, and so in that sense, yeah, bringing in someone like Bob, I think has merit, has value, but it wasn't done in a way that was successful or effective. And I think very clearly that is shown by, you know, the level of details that is in the story that we've reported and just how much I've been hearing about this and just how much confusion and frustration and the internal idea that nobody wants to look back in five years and say, we had Luca, we had the the player of his generation, and somehow we messed that up. And there were re- very real concerns that that was going to happen. If things continued in the same path and manner that they did, and so that's that's really where I come down to on you know the idea that you know Mark can say what he wants, and you know certainly he's someone i will I will talk to with with concerns and and anything like that um and you know I don't mind him tweeting whatever he wants to tweet, you know that's obviously perfectly within in, within his rights, but the idea the the broader idea and this is really how I view the story that the front office uh has, you know, a level indictment for how the past decade has gone and how the past two seasons with Luka has gone. And it hasn't been successful. It hasn't been effective. That's all very real. You don't need reporting to know that's the case.
0: That's very true. That takes us to our Mikko player of the week, which is most of the time it's Luka. It's kind of an easy one here, but Mikko player of the week is Luka Doncic. So let's talk about Luka Doncic a little bit Um this was something in, in the piece that I thought was really positive is that we had heard him at exit interviews. You, you quoted him saying that, you know, I think I, I think you know the answer when asked about if he's going to make that big extension and that made us all smile. That was all an incredible moment. But then also in the piece, you say that multiple league sources say Doncic intends to sign the Supermax extension, which he'll be eligible for once he's named this year's All-NBA, which he's going to. Uh, that's just, that's, that is a, uh, A really huge thing because a lot of people have been saying that, oh, Luca's going to leave. He's going to leave. But now it seems positive that he is going to stay at least through this next contract.
1: Yeah, I mean, even even before I was hearing that, even before I was, you know, able months ago to say, leak sources say, you know, he plans to sign the extension. (laughs) It always was the, you know, by far what was going to happen. Like something like that doesn't turn down that money. There's there's really no good example uh, of that happening of somebody actually going to the qualifying offer. Um, th- this was always, I think, the the outcome that was going to happen, and you know, but it's also something I wanted to express clearly in the piece. And and one thing that that isn't in the piece, and for good reason, because I didn't have merit or or backing to report it, is, is that I never said Luca is like really you know trying to throw his weight a- weight around and, and try to make specific things happen. I think if he had wanted to, he could have not said that he was going to sign the extension on exit interviews. And that would have been a pretty weighty thing to make sure you get your way. Um, anything. So Give him anything. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so so uh, so I just want to be you know, I want to be clear that, that I, I don't have any evidence and I do not believe that's that's really how Luca is approaching this. And, you know, I think that's only a good thing. Like he really loves Dallas. He's I, I feel like he's expressed that a lot um, specifically. And I note this in the piece. I'm probably going to say that a lot, but, uh, you know, just, just good. <laughs> it's to, what it's to, all about to, today. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just good. To, it's just good to cite it back to like, okay, this is something I put in the piece and have reporting do, for. Yeah. And so, uh, he loves Dirk. Of course he loves Dirk. We all know this, but he really, really loves Dirk. And, and that is someone who means a lot to him. That is, that is something that has been such a positive development on his, on his time here. Um, also in the piece, you know, I say that he, he tried to push his way here, you know, like the, the, you know, I, I don't, I can't really share details beyond that or, or specifics. And and to be honest, like I'd, I'd have to go back over my notes. Uh, certainly, it's something I've heard in like media circles for a long time. Uh, the idea that you know the you know that Luka Doncic did want to come to Dallas, but but I think I think that's absolutely correct. And and I think that you know this is this is a place that right now he's happy with. But to remain happy at a place like this, if you are a superstar like him. You have to win playoff series he has always won we know this about him he has always won at every single stop you know of his professional career and if that is not something that starts happening, then yes, you have to be concerned and you have to be worried about the future of you know of of his desire to remain here we're in a player empowerment era um and we've seen enough examples of people who just were not satisfied, satiated with with the excess, you know, the success they're able to have. So I think I think again that, you know, this goes back to a lot of the internal concerns that, you know, people very legitimately and realistically have about the future of the franchise. And, you know, I think it was always leading to a moment this summer where, you know, things are gonna, you know, things were gonna come to a head. The the pot was going to boil over, uh, whether I reported it or not, to be honest. You know, if if it wasn't me, it probably would have been someone else later this year, later this summer. But uh in, in the context of, you know, is Luca happy now? Yeah. Does he want to win? Uh yeah. I mean, it's 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 really as simple as that. Um and and so that's that's the key going forwards. For,
2: for that Luka, takes that's that's
0: a perfect way to end that. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. Luca doesn't want to just win like Luca doesn't want to just enjoy Dallas. He wants to actually win and enjoy Dallas. Enjoy, create success. Mikko
2: Bulger, player of the week, Luca Doncic. For Luca and his relationship with Dallas, could you give us more or I guess, and you can relate back or go back to the piece on this. What's Luca's relationship like right now with Mark Cuban, the front office and Rick Carlisle, those, those three. And you touch on kind of each of them here and there, you touch on him him and Rick's relationship for a couple paragraphs in that story too, that, which I thought was very intriguing. So yeah, Luca and each of those three, where, where are they at?
1: Let's see with Mark. uh, That's probably the one I touch on the least. Um, I'm sure you saw that. He listens to Luca. That that's someone who he feels and and tweeted that can bring him concerns. Um, that seems fair to me. That seems accurate. Um, you know, I, I I trust Mark on this one. Um, whether he feels he can bring you know a, a dislike for a person who is clearly you know most specifically someone backed and and has influence over Mark, I, I don't know. But you know, I, I I have no reason to believe that they have a bad relationship. And I think, you know, the idea that generally Luca has a good relationship with Dallas has to stem to some level with with Mark, even though he's responsible for everything that happens underneath him when this, you know, within this franchise. You know, I I have I have no reason to believe that they have anything other than a positive relationship right now. And that's that's pretty important to him, you know, being happy here for now and and trusting that things will get better um, and and just needing to to make sure and see that it it is that case with Rick. um, You know, I'm obviously not the first person to report about concerns or or just questions about the relationship between the two of them. I I think the most interesting thing with Carlisle for me is the adaptability. Um, I think we even say, uh, adaptable, like an MF and I'm I'm trying to, trying to, trying to make sure I I stick with the brand
0: safe here, Tim Cato on the lockdown. (laughs) It's been, it's
1: been funny since like some of the, some of the things I've had have been like hosts just like casually swearing as they ask me questions and I'm just like always trying to balance. And then I'm, you know, on a radio hit and I'm like, Ooh, cannot, cannot do that. Um, trying to avoid those
0: FCC fines over there. Exactly.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Because if somehow they got sent to me and I was the one to pay them, uh, nah, 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 no, 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 (laughs) no. No, 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 no. Uh, I make journalism money. I don't make I don't make a uh, radio host money. Uh I think with Rick, he is a very adaptable person. I think that you can see the development that he's talked about, Luca. Um really probably starting the december like December of his rookie season when he really, really started pushing. Um, maybe pushing isn't even the right word, because it's it it was the reality. He was like, This is the face of the franchise. And, you know, you could probably read into subtext. is like, I'm going to treat him differently than I would a different rookie point guard. You know, you know, we know what Rick hates most. It's like live ball turnovers. That is something that he allowed Luca to work through over time, especially in that first season when, you know, the team wasn't, you know, headed to the playoffs. But even even in the time since then, you know, I, I think he's he's been very adaptable in the way that he's started to to approach and handle and coach luca whether that's been enough is something that's been put into question with me um by by a lot of people in a lot of areas for probably even longer than i've been reporting this specific story you know the the idea that you know they just you know luca might just have tuned him out for you know for for seasons now um you know especially following the rookie season when when there was a lot more pressure and you know a lot more winning happening but but you know, probably not enough, you know, as the as the team got it to a seventh seed and then a fifth seed. You know, that that is something that's that's been called into question. And all all I can say, you know, in terms of the reporting that's that's in the story is that, you know, Rick has been adaptable. I I think another example of his adaptability is the way he talks about analytics. Like we all know the, you know, the post up is not a good play. We we know that that segment from him talking about Chris (laughs) Chris Steps answering inside the NBA, people saying that they just want KB to post up anymore. They, They just don't want him to post up anymore. Yeah, I mean he was right. I also view the sport pretty analytically. I, I can actually like it, it makes a lot of sense that a lot of what Bob um, with an analytics mindset would would say and share and, and and think that the direction that's the team should be going. There's there's a lot of evidence to think that Rick probably agreed with a lot of it, you know, just based off what he said and the way that he you know, you guys hear his post game interviews, he he. Every once in a while, we'll just casually drop in, you know, like... like single game plus minus? Yeah, (laughs) that, you know, but in a sense, like, they're always tracking that stuff. And, you know, I I think, you know, I've even heard him talk about, like, you know, player pairings and, you know, matchup data versus how Mm -hmm. one player guards another player. I think that's all really interesting and in a positive way for a franchise to be thinking about things. Um, And and so, the broader point, and I'm finally bringing this back to, to Luca and and... And Rick specifically, I, I do believe very strongly and, and firmly and, and based off all the reporting that we've done with with people who definitely have an understanding is that, you know, he adapted, he's he's adapted as well as he can. And whether that's enough, um, I think, has been called into question and by by people who who would know better than me. Um, I'm just the reporter here. You know, I I don't seek an end game or anything like that, of course. Um, but there's a lot of people who are who remain calling into question. You know whether rick is the right voice for luca going forwards and you know that's that's happening from from a lot of different places and i think that's that's a concern uh what's the last one just luca and that bob was it
2: no no it was that was it it was okay rick okay front office, Mark. That,
1: that was that was a long that was a long soliloquy for me so i, <laughs> I think good. i think it's best to 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 let you guys bounce some questions off again
0: yeah this rick isn't the Tim adaptable. podcast <laughs> we can we can make that happen uh <laughs> rick being adaptable i think is uh was I thought a good a good part a good part of this of the story because he has been I think that he has changed some things. It's not like he's he gets painted sometimes as this disgruntled, you know, type of coach that just sticks to his one way and doesn't do anything different. But he he has changed I think, and so I thought that that was a good thing. Even though, like you said, is it enough? Not sure. But he has at least made steps and moves to go in that direction. Uh, Coming up, we're going to keep with Tim Cato here. I got to ask about the 2020 draft because that part of the piece was just really, really interesting to me. We'll talk more about this with Tim Cato of The Athletic. But before we do, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball is in full swing right now. You can track all of it at BetOnline.ag. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all MMA action. Before you get to your next pitch, Head over to the Bet on Mine and on your laptop, mobile device, whatever you do, use the promo code LOCKEDON get a 50% welcome bonus to your first deposit you can bet on all sorts of different stuff I don't think you can bet on if Rick Carlisle or Donnie Nelson will get fired first but maybe they're going to have odds like that, they just had who, which team Porzingis will play for next, so maybe they'll have something like that, keep checking back again, promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus, also, want to tell you about rockauto.com, with the ever increasing number of makes and models of cars you need something, something reliable to go to and know exactly what you're getting. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks hired Haral Bob vulgaris and they didn't know exactly what they were getting, apparently. They needed to go use the rockauto.com of NBA front office deals. And so, use rockauto.com. They have a catalog that's unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose the brand, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Lockdown in there. How did you hear about us, Box? And they know that we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com all right, we're here with Tim Cato, obviously Isaac Harris as well. The 2020 draft was was a, a section in your piece that I found really fascinating because the 2020 draft perplexed me to, to no end. How did Sadiq Bay just fall right by them? That seemed like the guy they really wanted to go for. You know, Desmond Bain apparently was not even in the plans, you know, people have said here and there. And then they they come out with three guys. They come out with with Josh Green. They come out with Tyler Bay and Tyrell Terry, and then none of those guys can get any run the whole game. And so it seems like that if you take just the 2020 draft and you look at it from start to the end of their rookie year, you could just tell just by that that there was a sim- that was a symptom of some kind of dysfunction in the front office. Who made the picks, who decided to play them, and not decided to play them, and all of that. Because there wasn't any development. People were talking about how many times did your mentions just get filled up with. They should play Josh Green. They Josh should play Green Josh Bennett. Green. Like every single time. So in in a piece you say multiple league sources and team sources paint that the twenty twenty draft is part of a particularly egregious example of vulgaris power in uh an evening one source described as embarrassing most members of the scouting department joined the team's war room remotely through zoom and uh when vulgaris attended in person didn't consult them for either of the team's first selections josh green or tyrell terry what do you think about this 2020 draft do you think it is like a symptom of this dysfunction in the front office and what do you make of it now
1: yeah, um the the first thing I'll say is, you know, there may be reporting out out there um that that says who they wanted. I specifically did not put that in the story. Yeah, you didn't. Um very specifically, I don't think it's fair to Josh Green uh to to kind of in it especially in a piece like this to go through and say, "Oh, they wanted this other person" and and you know, you know, and, and just make that the, you know, a driving narrative of of the story. So, you know, right. it, I, if there may be other reporting about that out there, I I believe there may have been something last week. Um I I don't know if that's true. Um you know, or at, at very minimum, I'm, I'm definitely not, not going to confirm or, or any, anything like that. Um, I just don't think it's fair to, to Josh Green. I, I would say that, honestly, the way I want to answer this is, you know, I'll, I'll work to the story. Um, I, I'd say generally, um, the, the way I've talked about this on on my own podcast and in and, and writing and, and stuff like that, uh, the podcast I jokingly refer to as the only Mavericks podcast because we entered the space so late and joined a million other i mean i've had you guys on like that that's i i, I there one or two people reach out to me and are like you know like they're being so helpful and i felt so bad they're like hey uh, by the way you you know there's like the lockdown podcast mavericks podcast And i'm like yes i do hey, like that's that's, the that's 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 <laughs> the, that's, the, that's the joke i love all of all of you guys and i love all the podcast and uh and anyway, I just wanted to clear that up if anybody was, if, if, if there's any uh, locked on stands who are who are out here, you know, just like rejecting my <laughs> podcast in disgust, being like, how could they not know this? Um, anyway, so well, that's, ours, that's a, we
0: always tout ours is the best daily because it is the only daily. <laughs> it is, the only it is. Day that's the thing. So we
1: all do different things too. Like, I, I <laughs> yeah. think, I think there is actually room for all of us to kind of exist in our, in our different sure. uh, spheres and, and Agreed. perspectives and. Or- <laughs> All right. Uh, that was very Nerland's Noelle. You know, that one gif of him on and, and the draft where it's just like his hand looks huge. Oh, uh, that was wild. Anyway, I'm OK. I i am bringing bringing this back into focus. Uh, going off the rails is
0: what this. So you said there's room for all kinds of podcasts. That's what I have does best is completely going off. I don't think
2: Harala Bob after Nerland's 70 million. So.
1: Woo! i i would i would say that that checks that that sounds right that sounds right i can't can't report anything like that and i don't even know how i've reported it, but i would say that sounds right <laughs> uh definitely sounds right um i think that the the front office um inability you know the inability of the front office to build a team around luca that had enough you know that had enough enough depth and was functional enough that they weren't going and and dropping down to players like Wes Wundu, who, you know, clearly didn't work or James Johnson, who was was easily shipped out without, you know, really, a, yeah. you know, concern, you know, uh, about it. I, I think that made the draft picks look worse than they did. I think that, you know, especially Tyrell Terry, who I, I loved as a draft pick, I, I, I've, you know, I see a lot in in Josh Green where I think he could be a really positive player and um, Nobody thought those two players were ready now. And the fact that the Mavericks drafted two players who weren't ready now, while also having a roster that was trying to win, was trying to push for a top 1st seed, but in the end ultimately was also not ready now. I think that all culminated in, you know, casting those draft picks in a unfortunate light. Um as far as the reporting itself, you know, to me, what it represented was the level of influence Bob had over the team. You know, even if even if people want to you know push back and say, well, Donnie spearheaded these trades, and you know, Bob had nothing to do with them, which I you know my my reporting is that you know he was on board with the trades and and more or less approved them, but they were spearheaded by Donnie Nelson, and that's a lot of the clashing of heads. And the unclear you know kind of trajectories or or through lines of the front office that you know caused this to come to a head um but that was a specific moment where Donnie Nelson is most known for the draft, and it you know the the scouting department that the Mavericks have had have obviously but always been something they've publicly touted and and publicly touted how effective and and good at their jobs they were they were and for you know for that draft room to work that way for the decisions to be made specifically more or less by one person whether it was Cuban saying let's go with Bob or whether it was Bob saying let's make this pick or you know whatever whatever the specific uh you know ramifications or dynamics of how it actually happened in that draft room all i know is that functionally bob was the one making the picks and it wasn't something where the scouts were addressed or you know, it wasn't something where they were consulted, um, and it was a change. It was a change of how things have operated in the past. Um, maybe you know, maybe a observer can look at the draft history of this team. You know, outside of the the two huge hits they've had in, in Luca and and in uh, in Dirk, obviously. You know, two decades ago. Uh, although that was a that was a very different front office and scouting department, and all that in, in charge. But
0: Giannis is the other one that people are going to. Yeah, tell.
1: exactly, exactly. Like maybe you know, I, I think that there are are clearly good examples of a team that you know. I I want to say there's a stat out there where you know the only team that had worse draft positioning than than Dallas from like 2000 2016 was San Antonio, which makes total sense. And and yeah. you know just look at how good the team was. Uh, but, also, how liberally they they traded draft picks, yeah, they never were picking really in great positions um I don't know, you know maybe maybe your stance is that you know it was time to trust a a different voice, um which I think in a lot of ways Bob represented in this front office, but that that moment you know represented more than that it it represented to me and you know to me as a reporter, putting together what I'm hearing from different people it represented a moment where the, the power delineation and the power lines of the franchise were kind of laid bare. Even if they're messy in other ways, even if, you know, there is, you know, an idea that there's two general managers. Even if there is an idea that, you know, sometimes Donnie is initiating stuff. Sometimes Bob is the the most significant influence in the team. I, I think it's clear that, that draft night kind of showed that, you know, if if as as one team source was quoted in this story that, you know, if Mark Cuban is the most power, powerful person in the organization, whoever he's listening to is second. That person in that moment, and I think more broadly over the past few seasons, has been Bob and it absolutely, you know, was very clearly shown, you know, to the rest of the franchise in in kind of that night and, you know, with everything that happened that night.
2: So I think one of the things that fascinated me the most about your piece was just how much influence... Bob has and has um, you know I'm gonna walk this very thin line right now I'd heard about the tension a little bit um, just front office stuff but I didn't know and I think that's expected right I mean anytime you bring a professional sports gambler into an NBA franchise that has had this continuity for so long in decision making, it is going to bring a little bit of tension, right? You give, you want to hear their input. You, that happens in any workplace that you bring somebody. Well, if Cuban would have brought in anybody, right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he so, brought, brings in somebody to talk on their job, and it, you know, you hear bits and pieces of like what new player is kind of assigned to that guy, like uh, you putting in the story so we can talk about it. Delon Wright being Bob's guy that yeah, you know, he was all about Delon Wright. You know, the pairing as to Luca and all, of, and I, I, that just. I just didn't know the extent of that and your piece just brought a whole brand new light to what the front office, how they're making, how the decision-making goes and just how much influence Bob has in the front office in this, in this new, new new-ish title role uh, over the past three years. So I guess my biggest question to you now is like, where do they go? Like, what's the next step for the franchise? The team is, is Bob still with the team? Is he is he going to be with the team, and like, where does the the team move forward right now after this story?
1: Right, right. Yeah, I mean, the the truly most honest answer is I don't know. Mm. I, I don't know for sure. Um, I, I would be surprised if the exact same power structure and the exact same people and just the way that it was set up over the past few years uh, stayed to be, you know, exactly the same. I don't think that seems tenable. But I think that was always going to be the case, you know, this summer, that something was going to give one way or the other. And that, you know, the the that even internally, the the confusion and the unclear nature of who had power, who was making decisions, who Cuban was listening to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, I think that's something that, you know, was was reaching a breaking point. Um that's why so many people around the league had a clear understanding of of you know the sides and and the frustrations, um, uh, you know, and, and you know everything that that is in that piece. So you know, uh, like one one thing I've I've said this on a on a couple appearances I've made since since dropping the story, um, you know, like I, I I come back to the idea that I think. The way Bob thinks about basketball is, is probably pretty close to how I think about basketball. Um, in, in a in a lot of ways, um, this is a results business, and uh, and in it, you know, at some point, even if you make things with the right process, it doesn't really matter. Um, it matters that you know process matters, but it matters especially in this industry, in this sport, in this you know league. It matters that you win. You know that's what Luca is ultimately going to judge. You know a team on and, and the people around a team. Um, I don't think I think it was a good idea based off the track record, based based on the the tenure of the front office and all these things we said. I I do think it was probably a good time to bring in a new voice. It doesn't, you know, it's it's aggressively clear in the, in the piece that you know it, it was it was not implemented well. It was it was not done in an effective manner. Um, but you know, the idea that the Mavericks um have have been a long standing organization with the certain power structures they have. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, you know, I, I think that the track record and I'm repeating myself a little bit. I think that the track record shows that, you know, it's, it's more than any one person. Um, a lot of this has to do with just the way the team has operated over, over, you know, a decade and a half. And, you know, they, they need, they, they need the, you know, they need people in place who can build a a team and and build a, a roster on Luka that that's going to work. And the the fear is that they don't have that. Um, the fear from from a lot of sides, and the observation from you know people who who have close working understandings of of kind of how the how the dynamics work internally, uh, et cetera, at all all that. So, um, was that that was kind of an answer, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> it's, I, I love circling around an answer like three times, like a like a flight, and then just eventually landing in the in the field next to the airplane without. <laughs> directly answering the, the question down the runway that you guys want, but no, I you love
2: know, it. Well, you, you mentioned roster, and this is the last question I uh, want to throw at you. KP situation in Dallas, just w- where is that at right now? Do you expect him to be on this team moving forward? Do you expect him to? I mean, what's the thought process of all the parties involved moving forward from this point on?
1: KP was someone I thought would come up more especially like very early on I was like oh there's there's something wrong there's something going on oh it has to be about Luca and KP I, I have no evidence that's the case it wasn't a situation where we had a section written and just couldn't confirm it well enough to be comfortable running it with it um, I'm in to KP's credit you know like I, I have seen him in postgame interviews really try to overwrite or rebrand I, I think the image he had in New York Uh, How true that image was in New York where he had, you know, an agent brother or he was leaking stuff or disgruntled. I don't know. That's not my reporting. And, you know, it's not something I've ever really dove into or or had a reason to. But, you know, I've seen a person who talked to, you know, about accepting his role and has been very honest and and forthright about, you know, okay my best role in the series. um, They tell me and I trust them and I'm trying to implement it is to be a decoy against the Clippers. Now, bigger than that, obviously, you don't pay a player 30 million and, you know, for the money they are over the next three seasons to be a decoy. Um I I might be the, you know, I I would love I would still love for it to work out because, you know, if if Porzingis is the player he can be, um that's a that's a player really unlike anyone quite in the NBA, but you know, he hasn't quite been a good enough shooter in some ways. Like he's a he's a good shooter, he's, you know, I'd say board. Yeah, he's he's probably a touch below great, but you know he's not like a Clay Thompson shooter. Like I, I think you guys have probably talked about this too. Like seven three Clay Thompson is, is that something that yeah. has come up? I, I know I've definitely definitely I've, I've definitely used that term, but you know he's not a Clay Thompson lover shoot, shooter. And in, in the defense slip this year, and that's a real concern. So I I don't know. I mean I, I think that if if you're Porzingis, um, you know if if you're the Mavericks, it's it's becoming a lot harder. And this is you know this is only the obvious to to view him as the star partner to Doncic as as in in the coming seasons um you know uh, I don't know if there's a there's you know even if they had a desire to trade him this year which I I didn't report and you know don't don't have the backing to report uh you know even if they did want to do that I mean I don't know if there's a home for him um I, I think it does feel like the best case scenario is is he you know comes back next season and has a really really good season or or start at least start to the season to the point that maybe you can go trade him then but this is just, just me speculating anything before yeah. the trade
0: deadline can it be really right, good right 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 <laughs> but i mean
1: i don't i don't know i mean it's it's yeah like like i said you know the as far as like reporting and the story and everything to that context um you know it's just not something that that really really came up or or was something that you know was 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 felt like it was anywhere as important or anywhere close to you know the level of what I was you know what I ended up reporting on throughout the story, um, there, there just really isn't anything there um, that I've heard, and if there is something there, then you know it's 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 not a a concern of people that you know they're they're bringing it up in in the same breath that they're worried about Bob's role or ro- worried about the front office going forward. So, yeah. you know, um, I understand maybe, the concern. Maybe the front office is yeah. like
2: really locked in sync of keeping that, you know, story tight lipped. And it's not, I I
0: I don't know. I don't know. Tim Cato just wrote on, or not Tim Cato, Tim McMahon just wrote on that. And there wasn't a ton there either. Right. It was just kind of like public comments and things like that. So, you know, I I think, yeah, of these are
1: yeah. What, what McMahon said was, you know, about as much as I've, I've heard, you know, just that KP wants to view himself as, as the second star, but hasn't proven that, that Luca has lost faith in him, his ability to be that. I mean, I'm, you know if 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 i'm misconstruing what tim McMahon says like that that's kind of was my takeaway from from what he said and i think that jives with what you know i've been told um and you know maybe maybe i'm i'm hyping it up a little bit but you know i think that's essentially what McMahon said and that's that's as far as i know you know pretty much all that all that is going on i mean i i reported uh you know headed into the first round series against the clippers i did write a little bit about luka and kp and and how you know they they were they had they did it they did have a friendship a relationship like they were often seen around you know in the bubble they're often seen at the pool and stuff and the idea of them being that close you know even in public settings hangouts where they can't hang out with anybody else it, yeah it does feel like that's a little more distant um a, a little harder to get back to but you know I also wrote in there you know there's repeatedly I've been told by you know anybody I talk to that you know there's no incident that's that's hiding or lurking believe beneath the surface so you know if that does exist then it's you know it's probably never getting out or or is going to take you know luca or kp talking about it at some point so, um beyond that i guess we'll see man
2: <laughs> so nick nick often uh jokes with me calls me the the one more thing king i lied i have one last question <laughs> if the maverick the average maverick fan listening to this right now they read your story they're listening to this And they're worried about Luka Doncic and his Uh, future as a Maverick.
0: NBA Central, just giant, massive NBA Twitter account comes out today and says, quote, there's concern internally about Luka Doncic's desire to remain in Dallas long term per The Athletic. Right. Like stuff like that gets now written by uh, like completely taken out of context from what you said.
1: See, I should I should quote tweet (laughs) that with the same thing. Cuban quote tweeted my story with because yeah <laughs> I know good. I know we feel the same way about like you know yes. out of context aggregators like that um no. yeah that's not so, what so I said like, at any point
2: yeah so like what's your message to that Mavericks fan that Mavericks fan today like I mean I got texts throughout the day from friends random friend like Mavs fans saying oh my gosh is Luca is this is this the beginning of the end like what's your message to Mavericks fans right now reading your story listening to this podcast and they're worried that man Luca just he might be done in Dallas
1: yeah I, I would say it's not what the story says I would say that the fears expressed is what you you know any fan of a superstar you know that that isn't you know a a title contender every year that's what every fan should be worried about there's only one Dirk Nowitzki um, it's not fair to look at Luca and be like "Well, okay he's he's gonna be similar like Dirk Nowitzki was a unique one-of-a-kind Special, completely, you know, out, you know, unapproachable star in that way. And both the patience he shared and showed to the Mavericks. Um, But, you know, I think the era, the era around superstars has has changed as well to a degree. So I I would I would say that, you know, there's there's no more, you know, with Lucas specifically, there should not be any more fears than there were before, except for the fact that there are, you know, a lot of people who are concerned that the Mavericks have the ability to build the roster that is going to entice him to stay and continue his desire to want to be here long term and again not to not to go back so much as i've been saying like oh you don't even need my reporting <laughs> like you know it's it's i put it out there for a reason it, i think it was important to share and i i feel like it it was it was uh truthful and that said you know i, I think that The ideas about Luka and his his time here with the Mavericks and whether it could change if they don't continue winning, that is something we know. That is something we know about the NBA. That's something we know about stars. And the idea that the Mavericks front office, as it's existed, um, both long term and short term, has not given, you know, should not give anybody the confidence that they're going to figure this out and do things the right way. Their track record doesn't show that. Um, And I, I don't think it's overly harsh or, or blunt to, to say, you know, really sharply that they haven't done a good enough job. Um, it doesn't matter who is ultimately making the calls, the people who have been entrusted with that over time, um, over a decade have not done that. And so it's not, you know, it's probably not the best, you know, I'm not, I'm not filling people with, uh, with joy and roses or, or whatever. There's some expression like that. But at the same time, you know, like this is what the NBA is. This is what sports is. And these are the high stakes that everybody operates with. And so, you know, just just understand the context of, of the league when when you kind of consider the Mavericks. And I think that's the biggest takeaway is that, you know, if, if any of it was not fully expressed or understood, like just just kind of understand these. These are the underpinnings of the league that have always existed for a long time.
0: Tim Cato, the piece is inside the Mavericks front office. Mark Cuban's shadow GM is causing a rift with Luka Doncic by Tim Cato and Sam Amick as well. Go read it on The Athletic. If you got through this podcast and haven't read it already, I'm not sure what's going on with you, but follow Tim Cato. I'll put a link in the description of the podcast. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown On Mavs.
2: Peace out. Boom. Oh.
0: Many who try to climb it fail. Never get to try again. The fall breaks them.